Hello, this is Greg Stolze, and today I have the privilege of playing my game Million Dollar Soulmate with Alistair Stewart. Hi there. For those of you who don't know him, he is what one of the founders of the Escape Artists podcast Empire and the longtime host of the horror podcast Pseudopod. Yeah, um, that's Pseudopod is actually now a job I've held longer than any job out in the real world, um, which is kind of alarming. Uh, I've been there close to 12 years. And uh, I was a, a staff member. And then about five years ago, uh, my partner and I bought the company. So for listeners of above a certain age for whom the words Victor Kayam are floating through their minds, yes, I am the living embodiment of that joke. I don't know that joke. Maybe it's a British thing. But uh, it's uh, I, I will explain it later. It's 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 a okay. one. All right. Uh, and we're here today to play Million Dollar Soulmate. This is... I don't know what order these are getting released in or listened to in, but this is the last one I'm recording. And the way I've done it every single time has been to briefly cover the rules of the game because I can't assume that every listener has listened to previous episodes or read the rules. But, you know, it's pretty straightforward. It's not like explaining Attacks of Opportunity in Dungeons and Dragons 3rd Edition. (laughs) <laughs> which would be an hour-long podcast all on its own. Oh, so what, what Alistair and I are going to do... Am I pronouncing your name correctly first? Perfectly, thank you. What we are going to do is collaboratively come up with a pair of characters, one of whom is a lonesome millionaire who has spent one million dollars to have a computer grind out the answer to the question, who is the human being who will fulfill my personality and make me a more complete self. Now, the trick is what neither the millionaire nor the proto-soulmate know is that what is that having your first personality completed could be good or bad, depending on whether the soulmate amplifies your best self or your worst self. The idea is that it will definitely find someone who makes you more you, but if it is a positive kind of relationship, they will make you more compassionate, more generous, more thoughtful, uh, more courageous. And if it's a bad relationship, they will make you more selfish, more sybaritic, more perverse. So neither Alistair nor I will know if it's healthy or not, because we don't determine whether the relationship is healthy until the last scene when it is determined by rolling dice. So our remit for this game is to create scenes that are entirely ambiguous, that can be read as, oh, this is showing how the the soulmate is leading the millionaire towards personal growth and improvement, but could also be read as this is how the soulmate is luring them siren-like onto the rocks of their own deepest flaws. So that's fun, right? (laughs) Oh, I can't. Good, good. The game proceeds in three phases. There's the meet-cute phase, the several dates phase, and the scene-at-the-boathouse phase. And the first part of the first phase is that you and I discuss sort of the tone and parameter 
of the game. A lot of role-playing games have a baked-in tone. If you start playing Feng Shui, you know exactly what it's like because the whole game is focused on emulating Hong Kong action movies. If you start playing you know, Dungeons & Dragons, is its own thing. Vampire the Masquerade, you know you're going to be vampires and you're going to be dealing with keeping that secret and and your angst. And it has, you know, angst mechanics pretty much hardwired into it as a feature. This game, I have seen, I have played it as a romantic comedy. I've seen it played as deep dramatic revenge drama. Uh, mm. I've seen it... Often, what it seems to go for most commonly is this line between romantic comedy and sort of literary middle-class tragedy, the the sort of small personal tragedy where it's not like, oh, you know, it, it, it's not a huge Russian novel tragedy. It's a, oh, and then they live together for the rest of their lives, gradually conversing less and less until... They were complete strangers to each other living under the same roof. So that's that's an example of how it can end badly. But you could amp it up where it's like, oh, yeah, you know, if this ends badly, uh, my character may wind up just putting putting a pillow over your face in your sleep. So what are your thoughts on the tone that you seek? There's a couple of, of possibilities which really interested. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm, I'm really glad that, that, that someone's tried rom-com with this because I've, I've always been very fond of, of that little known and often much maligned subgenre, the action rom-com. <laughs> okay. Night and Day, the Tom Cruise Cameron Diaz movie is kind of a possible example. Uh, Scarecrow and Mrs. King is a very good example. That kind of... I'm I'm a debonair billionaire who is also an accidental crime fighter, and I don't really have very much time to do personal stuff. But you make me feel human emotions, so we should talk. That that looks like it might be quite fun to me. All right, yeah, I could go for that. Although, how is that going to end terribly? Is that you know the this millionaire winds up with someone who can't casually shrug off all the consequences? of high-stakes games of international intrigue? Well, it strikes me that the the line between terrible and good for final outcomes on this almost depends on where you're standing. Because on the one hand, you could do the how to break up because of duty and honor and all of that stuff. And on the other hand, you could do the, well, I guess now we work together. And both of Hmm. those are either this is for the best and I still love you, or this is horrifying and, oh God, I'm going to spend spend the rest of my life up a clock tower in Budapest with a tranquilizer rifle, depending on (laughs) where where you stand, you know? So there might be some fun stuff to mine there. Okay, so you're going for action action rom-com. Okay, yeah, I haven't tried that with this yet, so that is exciting and new. Is there anything that you want to absolutely exclude, you know, specifically outside the the boundaries implied by action rom-com, which is, you know, in an action rom-com, there's never serious, gritty violence. There's like, oh, you know, the girlfriend's been kidnapped, but there's not going to be a lingering menacing scene with the threat of torture or where we see her get tortured. Exactly. You know, it's it's far more the girlfriend's been kidnapped. Time for parkour. The genre kind of has 
has, as you say, certain, certain boundaries built in. I, I like that it gives us an opportunity to dive into character. I also like that it gives us an opportunity to do some really silly action set pieces, which are always really good fun. And All right. Yeah, so something which is equal parts, who knows what evil lurks in the hearts of men and the opening 10, 10 minutes of heart to heart. Sounds like it could be good fun. So do you want to be the millionaire or the soulmate? That is a very interesting question. I think I want to be the soulmate. This is a game without any kind of resolution mechanic for anything other than what gets in the way of the relationship. And at the end, is the relationship good or bad? So we will just be deciding what is the most fun way to resolve any particular car chase, gunfight, parkour, rooftop escapade. So character generation is collaborative. As the soulmate, you get to pick which question to answer first. There are 12 questions, six for the millionaire, six for the soulmate. Each player will answer six of them. And the 12 questions are, the six millionaire questions are, number one, why didn't you take the cheat code option? And the cheat code option is described as you could have, instead of just getting the name and identity of the soulmate, you could have basically read their journal. You could have gotten a complete psychographic profile on them. You could have had a private investigator give you an inch thick file, but you didn't. Second millionaire question, what's the best thing you've ever done that didn't involve money, which could be, you know, moral or competitive or personal growth, or it could be nothing but nothing is pretty bleak. Three, what is a secret you never told anyone? Four is what is your erotic identity, which, you know, pretty important for a romance game. This can be going from queer to cis, going to what your gender identity is. It could go as deep as I'm a profound foot fetishist, or it could be really simple. Question five, worst thing that ever happened to you. And question six, What's the big trouble you escaped with money and privilege? So the six questions for the soulmate. Number one, what about you will astonish the millionaire? Which can be just about anything. As a kind of signpost for the game, the more positive this is, the more positive the game skews. If you pick out, you know, what about you will astonish the millionaire, my horrendous meth habit, that's going (laughs) to make it a dark game. Question two, what do you know for absolute certain about love and romance? Number three, what's your place in society, which could be, you know, your religious faith or your job or your social class or pretty much anything. It could be lawyer. It could be ex-con. Question four, what's your erotic identity? Pretty much the same as the millionaires. Question five, what circumstances bring out the worst in you? So that is, you know, implicit in there is, uh, and, and what is that worst? And number six, who is your enemy and why? So we are gonna, in a very stylized, structured way, take turns answering these questions. Fantastic. And the soulmate, since you have the relative advantage of not, since you have the relative disadvantage of not starting out super duper wealthy, although I suppose nothing says that the soulmate couldn't be super duper wealthy. That's a variation I've never stumbled across is what about you will astonish the millionaire that I'm a 
billionaire. Oh, that would be fun. It would, wouldn't it? That would be really but fun. You could you could go there because you can answer any one of these 12 questions. So, yeah, which one? Okay. What about you will astonish the millionaire? I'm going to go for extraordinary skills as a stage magician. Just like an unbelievable level of prestidigitation and how this has maybe hit the local papers a couple of times. I've got some ideas about the soulmate's career, which we'll get to in other questions. But I think they've they've really popped out of the algorithm because they they did something physical that they shouldn't really have been able to do. And it's that's Got, perhaps gotten the millionaire's interest ostensibly as a work thing but in reality of course there's an underlying element of romantic interest ah did you ever hear about the guy who i think he was from a family of pickpockets but due to some physical disability was unable to do the running that pickpocketing involved and became an entertainer where he would just you know he has this vegas show where he lifts things from people who are expecting wow. to have this happen and are still amazed that he's got their their necktie off them without them noticing. And there's a story about him meeting, I think it was, uh, which one's the loud one in Penn and Teller? That would be Penn. That's Penn Gillette, right? Yeah. And so he meets, he's been introduced and, and Penn's like, oh, you know, I, I hear you're really, really good at this. And the guy's like, oh, that's very flattering to say. And, and Penn's like, well, can you show me something? And he's like, well, come on, you're, you're ready for it. You're an expert at your field. You're presumably alert. You're wearing a polo shirt. You, you know, there's not a lot of access to your stuff, but I suppose I could try something. Uh, I, I got one good trick that's pretty good. Do you have a pen? And, you know, Gillette pulls out his ballpoint. He's like, okay, so write something on this and hands him a piece of paper. And he writes and he's like, oh, the pen's not working. And the pickpocket's like, oh, right, you'll need this and gives him the cartridge from it. Oh, I love that so much. I love that. A <laughs> little bit of an internet legend, but hey, could have could have happened. Exactly. All right, so skilled stage magician. Yep. All right. So now each qu player answers a question about their own character. I go next answering a soulmate question. And um, let's see. What do you know for absolute certain about romance? That it is more dangerous than knife play because, you know, a knife can only kill your body, but a bad romance can leave your heart dead, but you're still walking around. Oh, that's a hard road. I like it. So I'm answering a billionaire, a millionaire's question, pardon me? Yep. What's the big trouble you escaped with money and privilege? Uh-huh. I think you took the fall for a friend at university and gained the reputation of being grossly irresponsible as a result, but in fact, and bought your way out of it. Because while it wasn't your fault, you also didn't want to take the fall and prepare and were prepared to take the reputational hit that that would follow follow into adult life with you. All right. What skipped out at the beginning there? What was it that your mate at university did that you took the fall for? Mm, maybe cheating on an exam, something like that. But some, 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 some kind of, this is really bad, but this isn't the police were involved level scandal. The exact kind of thing that a very rich family can probably mm -hmm. have. One staff to cover. An academic scandal. Yes. Where in typical James so, Austin, you are, of course, innocent, but no one ever needs to know that. All right. 
Yeah, I can see it where it's, you know, this is not where a person did a bad thing to a person. This is where a person did a bad thing to a system. Yes. Which is, of course, much more acceptable. Exactly. So now I answer another soulmate question. Um, What circumstances bring out the worst? Oh, wait a second. I'm supposed to be the millionaire, aren't I? Yes, you are. I got turned around. Okay, so we've we've gone off the map. I should be answering millionaire questions. You should be answering soulmate questions, but we didn't get too far. No worries. We can just mulligan it. As long as we end up each having answered three questions about each character, it'll balance out. That's fine. It's really just a question of, yeah, the reason it's in a specific order is that... If there's something you have a very firm idea about or a very strong opinion, you'll tend to go to that question first. Gotcha. Millionaire's uh, millionaire's erotic identity is like huge flirt in the streets, little spoon in the sheets. Uh, You know, puts on this show of being the Bruce Wayne style player, but is actually that's a smokescreen for this. I just want someone to cuddle and who I can do crossword puzzles with. Perfect. That's going to be the T-shirt for this game. Yeah, of course. Give me a soulmate answer. Okay, Uh, I'm going to go with what's your place in society. Uh Uh-huh. Um, mildly fallen celebrity, you know, the, the the kind of person who was maybe on track for, for an HBO special at some point, maybe five to 10 years down the line, perhaps had one or two conversations with Netflix. And then it just, it never quite came together. The industry zigged where they zagged. And suddenly the, they went from doing this, this really impressive prostitute prestidigitation show to ever growing audiences to taking the afternoon lunch buffet slot in Vegas. Hey, don't take it personal. You're just finished. That's all. Exactly. You know, it, it's not that we don't feel there's anything that, that you can offer us. It's that we're just going to go with everybody else. That kind of thing. <laughs> if you, I'm sorry, but if you were an Instagram influencer looking for love, this would be great. Also, <laughs> we need you to ditch the magic. <laughs> Do you have to pick things up? Do you have to speak? Is, is, <laughs> is there room to move on that? Why didn't the millionaire take the cheat code option? Ego. (laughs) Just, it just would have been creepy and sad and like one of those guys who hides cameras to get upskirt footage. It's beneath me. Yeah, totally get that. Okay, so how many questions is that each? All right, so let's see. That was two from me from the millionaire. You should do, you did one for the millionaire. Yeah. So I've answered three. You've answered three. You should answer another soulmate one. Okay. I will go with uh, the soulmate, soulmate's erotic identity, which uh-huh. is complex because so much of their job is about front. They present a tremendous amount of confidence and they actually have a tremendous amount of confidence, but just not quite as much as they think they do. Because anytime they get close to something or someone, they get worried that just like the Netflix deal, it's going to get snatched away and there's nothing they can do about that. Okay. Trust issues always, always huge in any romantic thing. Someday, someday someone is going to play this where both characters 
are just completely blindly, naively trusting and they throw themselves together and it turns out to be a disaster. <laughs> the dice demand it. Just like a final checking shot across a blazing yacht somewhere. <laughs> yup. Or just that, oh no, you're just, you're stuck in a codependent relationship forever. You permanently infantilize each other for the rest <laughs> of your lives. That's that's an ending this has gone to as well. I can imagine. You've answered three soulmate questions and one for the millionaire. I've answered two and one. So now we're going to answer about the other. Qu- uh, so I've got your last two. Your The last two soulmate questions. You've got the last three millionaire questions. Okay. So, hmm, what circumstances bring out the worst in you? I'm gonna say gets violent when backed in a corner. That's that's very Vegas stage performer, isn't it? So back off, man. Yeah, I, I get that. Yeah, that that whole thing about romance is more dangerous than knife play. That's not based on an ignorance of knife play. <laughs> I have graphs. I will show you them. Forearms covered with defensive scars. All right, so you've got three more millionaire questions. Okay. What is a secret you never told anyone? I think it's that you saw the friend who you covered for cheating, and you could have turned him in, and you didn't. You essentially manipulated the situation to ensure that you would have to take the fall, because growing up with such wealth and such privilege, you didn't have any idea of what kind of person you really were. And this was an opportunity to find out. Uh, So I wanted to define myself as a martyr. You went looking for a dare to be great moment and you found one. Yeah. Okay. What's the name of that friend? It's got to be Chad, hasn't it? We've had a number of Chads in these gra- in these games, actually. Really? Uh, in which case, how about Todd? Todd, there we go. Todd what? Mm. Todd Rumslow. Oh, I love it. I love it. Yeah, because I need that name for your number six, because your enemy is Todd Rumslow. I will end him. Now, why... Does Todd Rumslow hate your character is the question. Hmm. Boy, that's... And suddenly I'm stuck. Got any suggestions? What's hate? Well, okay. Todd Rumslow underestimated your character, picked a fight he could not win, got thrashed, and was humiliated. There we go. Yeah, neither you nor Todd came out of that situation smelling like a rose. Maybe that's how I got fired from the... Maybe that's why Netflix stopped calling. Maybe Todd made some calls. Uh-huh. Now it comes So, okay, we've got your character all filled out. And somehow... Yeah, somehow we skipped you at some point. I designed this game, and I can never get the rhythm of answering the questions right. I think I've screwed it up in every podcast. And yet, the game itself still works. A testament to my design skills, even as it is a testament to my poor play. It, it just goes to show how adaptable it is. <laughs> it's it's like I built a piano that sounds good, even though I'm a terrible pianist. <laughs> so last two questions for the millionaire are so let's see i've answered three and each of us has answered three for the soulmate yeah and each of us has answered two for the millionaire so you get one more millionaire question and then i answer the last that's it 
we're not even lost in the weeds. There we go. Fantastic. Uh, I don't think we've done what's the best thing you've ever done that didn't involve money. Yeah, that one's always hard. Yeah, it. Um, so if you want to take that one, yeah. Yeah, I'll I'll take a run at it. I think the best thing that you ever did that didn't involve money was the realization that you made that you didn't need money to do something great. Because, I mean, if we're looking at an action rom-com, then we're looking at realistically one of two things. You're either a superhero or some form of spy. Regard, you know, I mean, you could stretch that a little bit. If you wanted to go down the six underground route, you could do the, you know, the whole off-the-book special forces operator. But I think uh. dedicating yourself to a life in service, mm-hmm. whatever form that service takes, that's, that's pretty much the best thing you've done that didn't involve money. Or or at least that's what you tell yourself. There is this small point that, you know, you, you don't do this work a lot of the time without hiring some pretty high-end trainers. But I could have, is the thing. Exactly. I mean, there are people who are also high-end spies who grew up toothless in Alabama or exactly. under the burdens of crushing poverty. So it's it's all a rich tapestry. Yeah. You know, I, I consider myself to be just as morally correct in breaking away from my roots as the guy who used to fly planes for drug cartels and was blackmailed into joining the unit. Exactly. You know, it's just you, you, you make moral choices based on the compass you've got. Your compass just happened to be much shinier. Okay. So what is the worst thing that's ever happened to you? Okay, what's my equivalent of Bruce Wayne seeing his parents die? Oh, well, obviously, it's when I was seduced and completely taken in by a glamorous Persian spy. Who just completely turned you around. Just, you know, didn't know up from down, completely worked you, just utterly undermined your confidence and, and abilities, and you still kind of miss them. Mm-hmm. Good. That sounds good. So do we have names? <sighs> I'm, I'm circling one. How about you? Uh, well, I'm like, we should figure out genders. And then yes, maybe go to names. Yes, yes, we should. See, I'm I'm very torn on 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 that regard because what what I've got here would work really well as as a cishet character, but I also kind of like the idea of Todd Ramsler getting his ass handed to him by a woman. I'm not going to lie. <laughs> I'm I'm going to go with the guy. I'm going to go with the guy. Okay. All right. So my character's name is a woman named Jordan. McIntyre. That is a very good sp- secret spy name. Uh, I'm going with Matt Nostrum, which is absolutely Mac stage- Nostrum. Matt Nostrum, which is uh, absolutely a stage name, but it's the one bit of Latin he remembered. So the glamorous Persian spy. What's his name? Faisal. Yes, Faisal Aziz. Call signs Taras. At least that's the name I knew him by. Oh, I like it. Okay. Cool. Character generation is done. And now we enter into the last phase. Well, the last phase of the first section is we figure out a way that Jordan finagles a meeting with Matt. And, uh, you know, it seems pretty straightforward. He's doing some ridiculous magic show at a low end at a venue he's on before the dj right yep and so she shows up and volunteers to be 
shows up completely glammed up with her hair all super poofed and the not quite opera get opera gloves level of dressing but several uh, several levels above the mom jeans and when he asks for a volunteer from the audience this very put together woman is waving his hand her hand and you're like oh yeah that's the one and so plays off being the fine the the best possible assistant volunteer and then after the show is like oh are you sticking around for the dj or do you want to go grab a drink and i think drinks will be grabbed so what do they talk about on that predate date i think i I think there are kind of two or three points of of conversation here the first is matt is together enough to perhaps wonder what this lady is doing in this well not a dive bar certainly not a place that she would go to by choice and i mean he's very happy that she's there but he is a little curious secondly i kind of get the feeling she's onto his ship firstly because obviously you know the algorithm has has spam out and secondly because she's very observant and she maybe let slip a couple of things that suggest she knows more about what he does than most volunteers normally do and thirdly i think maybe they just bond over having someone to talk to because neither one of them seem to have very many people in their lives for very long you know he has audiences she has in her day job you know very important business meetings where she swans in signs something and leaves gala events all of that and in the the other job well i mean she tends to meet people for longer but not many of them tend to be alive after that so (laughs) this is this is perhaps a welcome breathing space for both of them she's probably sharing mostly her open life as celebute not quite a celebutant because you can't really be an international spy and also be in any way famous unless we're just going for the just embracing the whole fiction that oh yeah the best way to avoid discovery is to hide in plain sight you know, no one ever puts together the fact that you never see Batman and Bruce Wayne in the same place. It's it's so weird. The last 350 robberies in Gotham, Selena Kyle has been on the guest list for each event. Do you think there's any connection there? No. And you'd be crazy to think otherwise. <laughs> All right. So, yeah, she talks about and, you know, probably says that she saw one of his other shows um, yeah. and just was like, oh, and when I saw you were here, I just I thought, oh, the last one was so fun. Let's see what else he can pull out of my clothing. Oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> did I say that out loud? That sounded so much better in my head. Teehee. Oh, the only thing better than awkward flirting is mildly constructed awkward flirting. So, okay, yeah. The question is, does he then ask her out or does she have to ask him out again and be completely obvious about it? I think he asks her out. All right. I I think coming off a show with a good volunteer and I mean, I'm I'm a former stage magician myself. I know that. Oh, really? Oh, yeah. I, I was a I was a teenage stage magician instead of having any form of meaningful adolescence whatsoever. Wow. Yes. Volunteers are literally the difference between a trick working and it not. I, I I had a colleague who was an escapologist who failed to escapologist because someone have they 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 just had a bad night. They they had a volunteer who could tie knots very well and did. <laughs> yeah, there's a trick to it. Yeah, I'm I'm now thinking about. Oh yeah, if someone said, "Okay, tie me up so that I can't get out," I'd be like, "Really?" <laughs> anyway. 
but we're in the weeds. So what yeah, I, does I think Matt, asks, Matt what? I, I think Matt asks her out. Okay. And what is the date he proposes for this woman who is so far above him in terms of income that you couldn't see her bank account from, uh, you know, that you couldn't see her bank account with a telescope. Well, I, I think in, in that regard, he's kind of got two options. And the first is to go weird. And the second is to just own his shtick. Uh-huh. And you know, by, by weird, I'm thinking lawnmower racing or something like that. And and by owning his shtick, I'm thinking he's he's a performer. He's connected to the to the theatrical scene in in the city, so maybe he gets tickets to a show that she probably owns shares in the theater that is putting it on. But because he's people who know people, he can get them decent tickets. So perhaps it's that kind of this is how I can work in my theater of operations. And I I know yours is bigger, but. This is me putting in effort, that kind of thing. All right. So the way the date works, we each roll a six-sided die and consult our questions. So I got question five, the worst thing that ever happened to you. So somehow Jordan's past with Faisal Aziz is going to influence this date. Okay. So what did you roll? Hold on. I got a three. Okay. So you being a mildly fallen celebrity will influence this date. So the question becomes, which of these is the problem and which of these is the solution? I love the idea of lawnmower racing, by the way. (laughs) Let's let's run with lawnmower racing. How Um, fast? So this is like riding mowers. How fast do those really go? 15 to 20 miles an hour. Lawnmower racing is... Well, it's lawnmower racing. It's not Formula One, but you can get a decent speed up. Okay, so fast enough that you would be hurt pretty bad if you fell off that. Uh, You'd have bruises, you'd have contusions at the very least, yeah. Oh, lawnmower racing. How charming. I've never heard of such a thing. But you Um, should be warned. I race to win. And, you know, of of course, there will be some weird kind of man of the people shtick where, you know, he helped out the guy who runs the lawnmower racing league and, you know, the, the, they get the really primo ones. And perhaps there's some slightly weird offshoot about how he keeps trying to stage lawnmower Ben-Hur and health and safety <laughs> just won't sign off on it, you know. All right. And so then do they, is Faisal Aziz at the lawnmower racing place or what what happens that this becomes an issue then well i mean the two ways that i i see it playing out are either there is another racer who just absolutely smokes them who is revealed to be faisal and that instantly opens up the what on earth is he doing here and why was he so directly involved or Perhaps Jordan is winning, and on the last turn, she sees Faisal in the crowd and spins out. Ah. Uh, or, uh, so, wait, which one was winning? Jordan was? Yes. And she probably she probably drives obnoxiously aggressively. It's like, oh, oh yeah. yeah, been through the CIA's uh, combat driving course, gonna do everything, jamming you over, taking huge risks, and, okay, so do we want to do the thing where 
at the end, the 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 winner pulls the helmet off and it's Faisal, or do we want him in the in the audience? What are you thinking? The audience is a little bit more mysterious. It, it's it's a slower tone and a gradual raising of mystery, which might work a little better. Okay, so yeah, just as she's about to win, she like looks back and is jeering and making fun of Matt Nostrum, and then you just see her as she turns. Her eyes get wide and she turns pale and misses the curb and boom, and she's down in the dust, rolling and and sprawled. Yep. What happens? Uh, the first thing that happens is Matt stops, pulls over and checks on her. And uh, the second thing that happens is it becomes apparent because of all her training that, you know, she's She's breakful pretty well. She's bruised, but nothing is broken. And it doesn't quite cast a pull over the date. I mean, Matt feels like hell, obviously. But at the same time, it's the first hint that there are other things going on with both of them. And while it's really fun, it's and soon forgotten, it never quite fully fades away. Oh, I'm thinking that as soon as he like helps her stand up, she's like, I can't explain, but I have to follow that man. I like that and, even better you know, because that leads to parkour. Let's do this. Okay, yes. And so there's the parkour scene where she does the horizontal leap over the fence and the the guy who runs is like, wait, you have to sign this waiver. And she's sprinting up the side of the bleachers. Uh, How does Matt follow along? Probably on the lawnmower, I'm thinking. Just drives over the fence and heads out to, all right, presumably Faisal is fleeing. Does Jordan pull a gun on him and yell freeze? Or is that not in her remit? It's like, oh, I'm not allowed to carry a gun on American soil. Let's go with that option. I think she takes him down. I, I think that the, the, there is the face-off moment. Uh-huh. And, you know. Uh, all right. So you come around the corner on the lawnmower, and they are having, uh, you know, a dramatic taekwondo duel. Did you see uh, Woo Assassins on Netflix? Oh, yes. Okay, so you know the kitchen fight? Yeah. Oh, yeah. I'm thinking they're doing something like the kitchen fight, only it's in the repair bay of a lawnmower racing emporium. So they're rolling over the tables, grabbing wrenches, swinging, blocking. At some point, Faisal, you know, blocks a wrench to the head, pulls her in, grabs her, and is like, oh. I had forgotten how sweet and light you feel in my arms. At which point she, you know, throws a knee up, does a uh, backwards overturn throw. They're thrashing around like two cats fighting over the last tin of tuna. <laughs> and then you, what, come in and hit him with the lawnmower? Honestly, I think that I think that is the best course of action. Just, you know, he, you're right. He's mid-gloat. He's, he's kind of, you have slowed down over the years. And then he just gets punched in the side by a lawnmower traveling at a terrifying 12 miles an hour. <laughs> yeah, probably, you know, the boxing the ears where you slam your hands into their ears? That's why yeah. he can't hear anything. She's done that on him. Then he follows it up with a series of Muay Thai kicks that drive her back. And that's when he starts bellowing at her that you imperialistic Americans are soft and decayed. And then he gets T-boned. Yes, absolutely. And so she does. She stands up, straightens up, you know, the, the move where there's the loose lock of hair and you just 
blow it up with the corner of your mouth. She does one of those, wipes the blood off her nose in the corner of her mouth and says, so, yeah, he and I used to date. (laughs) All I can see now is, is that kind of long beat where they just look at each other. And Matt's obviously kind of balancing the frankly horrifying things he's learned in the last three and a half minutes and everything (laughs) and you know everything they imply and underneath all that there's a small but perfectly formed voice at the back of his mind going you may have just killed a man with a lawnmower and he's going to bat it around and i i think his most logical course of action is he shifts and indicates the back of the seat looks at her and goes do you want to get ice cream yeah but first, I gotta chain this guy up and make a call. And she pulls yeah. handcuffs out of her back pocket, cuffs him to a radiator or whatever uh, is is immobile in the mechanical bay. Pulls out her phone, scoffs at the fact that it's wrecked, and says, "Can I use your phone?" And he he'll have some bullshit flip phone. And she's like, oh, this is nice. These are great actually because they don't have enough memory for most malware. This is the most secure phone you can get uh, on the consumer market. And it holds a charge for days. Drop safe. There's a lot of advantages. And the whole time he's like, hey, yeah, Gary, guess who showed up stalking me on my date? No, not, not Tim. No, not the Baron. No, <laughs> you are just ice cold today. No, it, it wasn't Lee Hua. No, it was Faisal. Yeah, <laughs> that one. Yeah, he's here. Ch- and, you know, she gives him the address and Faisal's starting to come around. She's like, no, he's still unconscious and gives him a heel kick to the forehead to knock him out again. And she hands you your phone back and is like, I'm in the mood for Rocky Road. Just the, 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 that total post-fight chirp. Just saying, I'm hungry. Let's go get some food. So in what way is this positive and in what way is this negative? It's positive because it has exploded what could potentially have been a serious issue further down the line in the relationship, which is her job and what she has to do with it. And I think it's potentially negative because, well, two reasons. Firstly, an old boyfriend has resurfaced. And secondly, Matt is going to struggle, well, not struggle, but spend a lot of time working out if he should be struggling with the fact that she isn't just a billion, just a millionaire, pardon me, sorry, but she's also really badass. And he's a stage magician. And I love stage magicians. They're my people. But badass is a word very rarely associated with us. <laughs> oh, what about Chris Angel? Or that guy who oh. froze himself in a block of ice? Badass is a word very rarely Or Doug Henning. Uh, you see, there's we've we've got a couple, you know, there's there's the, there's the now you see me people, but none of them are spies. Right. The way I see it being positive for her is that... You know, she's like, oh, hey, this guy didn't freak out and seems able to handle himself fairly well in a crisis, which, boy, is a real is a very reassuring thought. And he accepts me for who I am. And the downside is that he accepts her for who she is, which is somebody who will kick a chained man in the face and then go get an ice cream cone. So he could be sort of feeding into there. Like as with James Bond, where you're supposed to like James Bond, but there's always this undercurrent of sadism, especially in the Connery version. So it could be that, you know, she is he is just going to give her blanket permission to be awful. Yeah. All right. Second. So she probably explains 
in very vague terms that she is involved in the espionage demimonde and that Faisal hurt her much worse on uh, an emotional level than he ever did on a physical level. And, you know, shows pictures of them at a gala where Faisal is looking like a solid 10 and extremely glamorous and handsome and confident. So maybe not the thing you want your date to show you on the first date is, oh yeah, here's a, here's a picture of the guy who really messed me up. I was thinking the other day, uh, you know, at some point I'm going to have to find a, an excuse to use the phrase. He was as nervous as someone dating a woman who'd once dated Idris Elba. Oh, what a beautiful turn of phrase. And what an awful problem. Exactly. Date two. Let's see what issues turn up. All right. I got one. Uh, I got a five. Nice. So this involves Jordan's ego and (laughs) Matt being violent when backed into a corner. Well, it could be a thing where, you know, has he done like any boxing training or, you know, he's like, oh, Martial arts. Oh yeah, I did a little, little bit of pentaxalat and some Tibetan wrestling, and 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 she's like, oh well, you know, of course I have to be proficient in the deadly arts. We should work out sometime. It's always fun to have a new man to throw around. And he's in reality because he lived in Vegas for a little while. He's held pads for a couple of UFC guys and and had a couple of bar fights. You know, there is there's there's not a tremendous amount of of skill there, but there is an awful lot of enthusiasm. Okay. And uh, so, and he's probably got a highly developed sense of proprioception, you know, your sense of where your body is in space. Yeah. As a uh, as a person who does magic, he's got to be aware of this is the move, and it has to be just here and not a little to the left and not a little to the right. Exactly. So he he accepts her offer to do some training. All right, at at a dojo, and okay, what happens there? Well, if it's if it's a dojo run by the agency, or even if it's not, even if it's just one she trains at regularly, obviously the first thing that's going to happen is when they start working out, gradually over time, people will come and watch. And yes. This, this will not be to see how the new guy does. This will be to see how long it takes for the new guy to be chewed up. <laughs> and does she, and and probably if we're going to go for the full action romance thing, there's that weird, they're fighting, but they're also flirting energy, which maybe not the most wholesome thing in your entertainment, but hey, let's emulate this genre because... Ambiguity is the name of the game. A a friend of mine still argues that there are very few scenes which are more inherently the cinematic definition of flirting than the playground fight in Daredevil for that exact reason. I haven't. Oh, this is the the Matt Damon Daredevil? Yeah. Which I have not seen. I won't say it's aged well. I will say there are things in there which are worth your time. Okay. And I mean, he's what's what's very obvious from an early early point is she's soft peddling because she knows this guy's a civilian. She uh-huh. knows like eighteen different ways to pull a piece off him inside thirty seconds. So you know uh-huh. she's she's letting him work a little bit, and and then she gets bored, and uh, perhaps he gets a decent throw in. Perhaps things very very gradually escalate, and the challenge she has, I think, is as as we described. In, in the character creation, when he's backed into a corner, he's going to lash out. And the question is, does he lash out at her? Or does he lash out at one of the people who's just watched him get his ass kicked? And, you know, is uh-huh. 
messing with him. Okay, yeah. Well, what is the so how which which narrative seems more compelling to you that he loses his cool on her or that someone else is making fun of him and he takes some just really cheap dirty shot. I like the second one and I like the second one in particular because one of the ways that we could work this is that perhaps one of the guys training there saw him hand Rumslow his ass and make some gag about man you you lost a step and it just pulled it just flicks every switch. Okay. Okay, how does it wind up with this guy? And is this guy someone who is not that great but talks a great game? Mm-hmm. And so his overreaction is really a real overreaction. I'm I'm getting kind of third student to the left in, in, in Cobra Kai vibes from him. I think this is a guy who can <laughs> handle himself, but perhaps isn't expecting a magician to throw down quite so hard. You know, okay. in the, it, it is a legitimate fight, and it's one that she has to break up. Okay. If I was doing fight choreography for this, too, he would constantly be doing misdirection. Just, yes. you know, innately, oh, hey, look at the hand. Bam. Oh, wait, that was in your ribs. Well, you know, don't look at your ribs. Bam. Yeah, and, and he is just showboating. You know, uh-huh. it's, it, it's 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 just it's it's a it's actually a really nice piece of narrative parity because we've had the fight which shows off what she can do, and then suddenly we can see, we see what he can do and how that has a limit. And yeah, at some point she barks out, "He's had enough." And yeah. the question is, do you give him one to grow on, and I'll decide when he's had enough, or do you coolly back off at that point? I would go with a third option there, which is chamber the 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 last shot. Keep eye contact and then very slowly and with visible effort, step away. Afterwards, she's like, wow, that was that was impressive. I'm not sure it says something good about me. How uh, how cool that was. You really you really gave Lanny what for. I mean, I realize that his uh, his mouth techniques are considerably more advanced than his hand and foot techniques. But (laughs) Well, it was bound to happen sometime. And I think that's maybe the point where he takes a long drink, takes a long shuddering breath and explains how he didn't get the Netflix special 12 hours after he beat some idiot trust fund guy who picked a fight with him or with a close friend of his halfway into the emergency room. And there's there's some interesting issues in there about control and about emotional control. And especially, as you say, for a magician, for someone who is very physical, to not be entirely comfortable with an element of their physical prowess is a really interesting thing. And it's also an interesting balance for him. Uh, and Jordan's like, well, you know, I know a guy who has all these connections in the entertainment industry. His family's all, he, he he's, uh, you know, he works as a lawyer for a lot of those uh, development. I, if you want me to have a word with him, he kind of owes me. And this is, of course, the the, the that moment you, that lands at the, 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 the back end of act two of all good action rom-coms, which is the everything's going to be fine. No, it's not. Because he will, of course, say, yeah, that sounds great. What's his name? Todd. We actually dated for a while in college, but it didn't work out real well. And Todd Rumslow? <laughs> blood drains from his head. <laughs> He's just like, yeah, that's that's the guy I, I beat up. You're the one who put who had him get his jaw wired. He still has digestive problems from having to have his jaw wired shut for two months. That's terrible. Yeah. He still can't eat corn. Well, it is corn. (laughs) 
and you know he'll he'll try and play it off at the same time as obviously still feeling very guilty about it. Well, but, not on the cob. You well, know, <laughs> he has to cut his corn off the cob to eat it. <laughs> like a Frenchman. Uh, <laughs> And so, yeah, she's she's a little she's a little taken aback by this, and uh, I'm I'm thinking that you know maybe does this does this escalate into some kind of argument between them where he's like, hey, why is it that you get to beat the hell out of people and I don't? And she's like, because the people I beat are all bad. And that's where he comes out with something awful about Todd, the person she saved. And and, and she, she's like, you know what? I'm not going to push you any farther into this because I think you've had enough rage today. And I think we also both know how it would end if things uh, got real bad between us. So I'm just going to let you stay here, have a seat, think about how infantile you're being while I go home and get a much needed shower. Yes. And, you know, stands up to leave. Does he let her have the last word? Maybe this is the point where he tells her what Todd did and that would, whatever that is. And then she can just play it off as you're just trying to get the last word. Yes. I'm also telling the truth. And she's like, don't ever say, don't ever try the defensive. I'm just telling the truth to someone who works in intelligence services and stalks off. And stalks off into the rain. So how is, so I think it's, it's clear how this could be the bad influence where it's like, oh yeah, we each think that physically harming other people is sexy and we're both very into it. So, you know, this is is kind of the oh, all that neglect all that poor neglected shark needs is to have a bleeding man thrown in his tank. That'll perk <laughs> him right up. Uh, uh, yeah, there is some interesting stuff about codependency on on very nasty behavioral systems here. And that's giving me some ideas about how this could escalate and maybe how it comes into land. Okay, but how could it be good? This could be something where, uh, you know, what's the upside is that she's found someone who will be honest to her about uh, about Todd. This is it. I mean, the upside to this is is the truth will set you free. He's given the truth about Todd Rumslow, even though she can't accept it. He's given not external validation, but an, an external viewpoint that says that the thing which he hates about himself is not necessarily a bad thing. And that's both a good mm. thing and to come out of this so there's some really kind of deep personality architecture that's being challenged here so should we see what the third date looks like let's see what the third date looks this like this does not have to be the dates do not the the first date in the th- of the three dates is usually their like first time they go out second and third can be later along it has to be they have to be important dates not necessarily one two and three so this could be after they've been doing stuff for a while, maybe she's recruited him into whatever shadowy organization she works for. Okay, let's find out. I got a one. I, I, I got what will astonish you. Oh, yeah. This plays in pretty well with my idea that, oh, she recruits him to the cause yeah. because I got a two. So the best thing that didn't need money is, you know, I find meaning in my life of service 
and his skills as a stage magician. So she basically says to him, look, feel free to say no, and I won't respect you any less as a man if you chicken out, but we really could use someone who could substitute one piece of high tech for another. We've got a simulated missile guidance system here, and if we can get the real one and replace it with the fake one, thousands of lives could be saved. And, and, you know, he'll take that on board. Or at least thousands of jobs for Raytheon. <laughs> McDonnell Douglas needs you. <laughs> and yet, obviously, he'll he'll look at this and go, so what you're saying is I can help you save the world with a card pass. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Saying, I, I could help you save the world with something I learned when I was 15. And almost Boy, like a- when you say it like that, it doesn't fill me with confidence. <laughs> it wasn't the only thing I learned when I was 15. I've said too much. Uh, yes, of course, I'd love to. Well, you're co- we'll come up with a cover name for you. I'm going to suggest Vance Kingfisher. Oh, there will be a moment of long silence followed by, can I get business cards? It'll be required. Yes. Vance Kingfisher, crime-fighting magician. And you'll have to refer to me as Evangeline Blackwood. Also, for the purposes of this mission, I will have to dye my hair black and dress extremely provocatively at all times. I will remember all of those things, Miss Blackwood. All right. And so where would this be? Let's see. Where would the what what are the circumstances whereby he's going to be able to get access to this widget and pull his switcheroo? And what are and, you know, my thought for if you want this to be like an action romance, you must frame this in what is the laziest way the writer could contrive this? (laughs) Uh, who's given us the biggest tax break well sounds like we're going back to vegas um Uh, i was i was thinking something like well i mean how narratively tidy do we want to be with this because we have todd rumslow and faisal in the background i was wondering if perhaps you know the handoff is going very well until jordan sees faisal in the crowd ah and he's talking to todd yep oh that would have to be it yes you just can't because pete People in this sort of story are never just bad. They are bad and traitors. Exactly. No one can ever be a terrible human being. They have to be an evil one, too. So obviously, he's Matt's in, in kind of mid-shtick. And I'm thinking this is kind of, this is some swanky. Maybe we haven't had an embassy, and these things always ah. do pretty well with embassies. So, you know, we maybe it's like an embassy reception or an event at, at a casino or something like that. And Matt's going from, from person to person, you know, doing close-up magic and, and being charming, charming and eloquent and all that stuff while she's surveilling the room and distracting people and, and reading threat assessments and making sure that all the attention's on her as he angles around to where they know the guidance system is going to be. And maybe they've got a locator on the guidance system, but they don't know who is carrying it. Uh huh. So that's the reveal when, you know, the, the, watching the blip make its way into the room and it's Faisal. And yeah, she's like, okay, abort. You are not going to get that away from Faisal. He's one of the 10 most dangerous men in the world. And, you know, he'll have something like, yeah, well, I was nearly an Eagle Scout. And, and <laughs> he'll, he'll, he'll try for it. And whether or not he'll succeed, I don't know. But he'll try and distract Faisal. Because remember, Faisal maybe didn't see him. He definitely uh-huh. got him. But 
he was perhaps not entirely conscious when all of this happened. So perhaps Matt does his usual shtick and it it works and he actually gets the thing off Isla and plants the plants the substitute. And then someone starts clapping and he and turns it's to, Todd Rumlow. And it's Todd Rumslow. And Todd's like All right. Mm-hmm. And Todd Rumslow is like, Oh, hey, if it isn't my favorite washed up has been second-rate hack magician Matt Nostrum, also known as... And what's your actual, like, geeky government name? Oh, what my, my official given uh, given name, or the, the super-secret code name I've been given? Official government name, like Fred Blinksley or something. I'm thinking John Abernathy or something like that. You know, okay. a, a real four-and-a-half-syllable surname, the kind of thing which is is just... No, it's not cool. However, you you color it, you know. Okay, John Kevin Abernathy. Oh God, <laughs> he got the middle name too, the bastard. Uh, and so Faisal kind of comes up and grabs you, hands like steel traps. And uh, yeah, then what happens? Well, there will be some kind of terrified trash talk about. Hey, Todd, how's the sweet concerto? And um, they uh, hustled out of the room, perhaps. I mean, at this stage, with this kind of story, it's all about obstacles, isn't it? So it depends on whether or not we want those obstacles to be subtle or overt. I mean, this is a boss fight. So obviously you need some minions to come in. So perhaps the casino is stormed uh, as a means of distraction for Faisal and Todd to escape. Or perhaps we have a neat narrative reversal where Jordan identifies all the various people in the room who are obviously Faisal's guys and takes them out using the skills that Matt has taught her of misdirection and subtlety. (laughs) Oh, that would be sweet where she's identified the targets and as they're closing in, you just see her going up behind each one, bumping into them and subtly incapacitating them with spritzes of gas from a hidden, from something hidden behind her fan uh, until Faisal turns and gives her just the smuggest smirk. Oh, look who's still following along behind me. And at that point, it's on. Yeah, this this is full on. Shoes come off, dress gets hitched up, someone's getting ass kicked. Yep. And so you get the four-way fight between Faisal, Jordan, Todd, and Matt. Yes. How do you make this the perfect using the fight choreography to reveal character? I would think is that you you do something whereby because Jordan and Matt can work together and because the others underestimate Matt and he's able to misdirect them, whereas the two of them don't get along and are each trying to make the other take all the worst hits. And probably at the end, it ends with them fleeing and her saying, Okay, so I think we're going to get low marks on secrecy and subtlety for this mission. And Matt says, yeah, but at least we got the guidance system and pulls it like out of her hair. Exactly. That is exactly what I was going to suggest. Yep. The hair and everything? Right down to the hair. Wow. (laughs) So the mission is a success. And now we get to that. They have, of course, the obligatory huge passionate kiss. Mm Mm-hmm. And then the scene at the boathouse, we can make this, what would this be? This would be they're on a private jet going back to the States, or they are waiting to get exfiltrated, 
or something where this is the final scene where they figure out just what the effect Matt has on Jordan is. And so before we roll this, Mm -hmm. the idea is we sum up what we've seen and that what we've seen is that the two of them are very good at practical stuff. But I'm thinking of someone I actually know who is, after a very long marriage, contemplating a divorce. And one of the things that I asked her was, okay, if he makes you so unhappy, why have you stayed together this long? And she said, we have never in our lives together encountered a single practical problem that we could not overcome together. We work together brilliantly. Our jobs have always had loads and loads of technical challenges that we overcame together. Each of us complements the other's strengths. We figured out the stock market together. We were able to retire early because we could, to get working together, we could perceive the system and make a ton of money. She's like, so there's something great about having someone with you who you know there's nothing you can't do together except get along. (laughs) So I'm seeing the possibility of that is that the fact that they can work together and that they're both exciting, hyper-competent badasses blinds them to the fact that maybe they're not all that emotionally, emotionally positive. I don't know. It could, that's how it could be bad. Definitely. I mean, it, it could be good by the fact that they, in going through this process, they've actually exercised all their old demons. And the the kind of the, the personality architecture that I was talking about with the last one, this they both kind of come to a point in their lives where they can work out what they want to do, not what they need to react to, which could be really positive. So, yeah, their personal demons, as embodied by Faisal and Todd, have now Todd. literally been, what did you say? Todd Rumslow. Just I, I hear his name spoken through gritted teeth. It's great. Todd Rumslow. Rumslow. If it's good, then it's because they have liberated each other to continue this life of adventure unencumbered by regrets and cruelty. And if it's bad, it's because they have decided, oh, we can get away with anything. And anything we do is justified because it's us doing it. Yes. Including savagely battering people. All right. Okay. Are you hoping they stay together or not? Or are you hoping it's good or not? I'm hoping it's good. You have, let's see, 4-1. In all the other games of this I've run for, uh, as part of the Kickstarter, I have wound up having the highest total from from the three date rolls, Uh which means that it's been on me to decide whether they stay together or not at the end. But this time, you have this. So whether it's good or bad is up to the dice, but whether they stay together is up to you. Okay. So let's see if it's good or bad. Okay. We each roll. If it's even, it's good, odd, it's bad, and I got me a four. I got me a six. I rolled a six. Mazel tov. It's a good relationship. Hooray! Okay. They are healthy together. They are just, they're outliers, but they found each other, and she was able to invite him into this world where his skills are much more meaningful and he is able to give her something to trust in the funhouse world of betrayal and deceit that is international espionage. How does this play out on the plane, boat, or what have you? 
What are you seeing as the final? Honestly, I think I'm 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 actually seeing a literal boathouse. I'm I'm seeing a, a closing act, which is very much the so the conversation we've just had. The so are we going to stay together? And they realize they do. They are, and there's the whole kind of swirling romantic music. And then they take a boat out on the ocean. And as the boat zooms off into the distance, Jordan looks at Matt and goes, "Do we hit people a lot? Yeah, should we maybe work on that?" Yeah, I think we should. Okay. Oh, he doesn't say they were all bad. <laughs> or even better, they were all bad. Like, yeah, yeah, they were. All right. Fishing, yes. And or, or even better, maybe there's a callback to, to the lawnmower race. <laughs> oh, see, I was going to suggest that they're sailing off and looking beautiful and glamorous and kissing. And, you know, the camera fades back. And then you see an aiming reticle and it. You know, farther, farther back, and it probably wouldn't be Faisal. We'd have needed to introduce some other antagonist that everyone forgets about in the hurly-burly. But, you know, that would be the stay tuned for the next episode ending. Becky Rumslow, Todd's evil sister. (laughs) Oh, yeah. Lauren. Lauren Rumslow. Lauren Rumslow. Perfect. Rumslow. To, coming next summer, Rumslow's Revenge. <laughs> I right. love it. We got ourselves so, a franchise. Yeah. What'd you say? With, uh, I, I smell franchise. I think there's going to be a lot of sequels to this. There we go. Yeah, and t- until the uh, the actors are really struggling to convince everyone that they're still young and having trouble staying fit, and at some point, one of them has what is obviously a cgi body for the swimsuit scene 100 percent. or there's just a new actor there's just new actors playing them and the clumsy explanation is oh they had to go into witness protection and get extensive plastic surgery oh that's perfect we're doing that okay (laughs) well cool Thank you for playing Million Dollar Soulmate. If we were face-to-face, the rules would dictate that we shake hands. Clearly, they were written before the current crisis in which this is recorded. But instead, I'll just say thank you very much. It's been a pleasure and an honor. Thank you. This has been an absolute blast. What a wonderful game. Graphics for this episode of Million Dollar Soulmate are courtesy of Bogdan Glissick via the Unsplash website. The music is Ravel's Sonatine 2 Mouvement Minuet from Muse Open. Million Dollar Soulmate is available on itch.io and through Drive Through RPG. All rights are reserved.